Good morning, Scott's Hill. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm Josh Hansen. I'm the family pastor here, and it's a joy to be with you this morning, both those of you who are sitting in the seats in front of me and those of you who are watching live online. I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to worship God together, to sing his praises, and to study his word. And of course, I'm really excited because it's Christmas time. Come on. Who loves Christmas? Yeah, that's right. We love Christmas. And I've got a question for you in light of Christmas. What do you want this year? What do you want for Christmas? <clears throat> do you want, maybe you want that 75-inch smart TV because, you know, that 65-inch you got's looking pretty small. You know, your wall's pretty big and that 65-inch, yeah, it's not cutting it anymore. I need that 75-inch. Or maybe you want the Magnolia Table cookbook. Not because you're going to actually use any of the recipes, but because you'll just want it to sit on your counter to look like Joanna Gaines. Or maybe you want that new bike so you can ride the trails with dad. Maybe you want a skateboard so you can watch your dad try to ride it and fall. Maybe you want that new surfboard so you can go ride the waves when it gets warm with Pastor Josh and Pastor Tucker. I don't know. But I bet you really want a Disney Plus subscription. Yep. If you haven't already got it, I bet you want it. I mean, hello, Baby Yoda. Come on. Come on. Worth the price alone. Baby Yoda. Get with it. You're missing out if you haven't seen Baby Yoda drinking some soup, getting all cozy on Disney Plus. You can only get that on Disney Plus. Or maybe you want to go to Disney for Christmas. Maybe that's your plan because we all know, we all know it's the happiest place on earth. We all know. It's the happiest place on earth. We all know it. Yeah, exactly. Or if you guys are feeling really generous uh, this Christmas and you want to know what's on my list, uh, there's some Jordans that are dropping in a few weeks. You can get me these, um, size 10 and a half, or the new Yeezys that are coming out. You can get those either way. Either way, if you want, you know, I'm trying to get on preachers and sneakers, so if you guys could hook a brother up, it'd be great. Um, that's on my Christmas wish list this year. And I don't know what's actually on your list, but I'm sure cultivating that list, creating that list wasn't all that difficult, right? It's not difficult for us to make a list of the things we want in this life. That comes second nature to us. There's always something new, something bigger, something better, something nicer for us to long for in our lives. It's pretty easy for us to make a Christmas wish list. But as we create our list, as we kind of map out what we want, I think if we're all honest, at the end of the day, what we really want for Christmas is to be happy. That's why we want all those things, because we think they will add a little bit of happiness. That's why we give gifts to others because we think that we will give them a little taste of happiness in the gifts. Our goal is to make them happy with the giving of our gift. All we really want for Christmas is to be happy. And so it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to want to be happy but in this series, in this morning, in this message, I want us, I hope for us to move beyond our wants and realize what we really need. 
The goal of this series is realizing what we really need for Christmas instead of focusing on what we want for Christmas. And this morning, I believe that we may want to feel happy, but we need the joy of the Lord. That's right, we may want to feel happy this Christmas, but what we need is the joy of the Lord. And I got some good news for you. He's come. He's come. Sing this with me, in fact. Joy to the world. That's right. We can go caroling. Come on, who wants to hit the neighborhood right next door? Right after church? Sweet. Maybe we'll get a couple of, what are they called, uh, peacoats? Yeah, got to get a peacoat and a scarf. It's a requirement for caroling. Can't carol without it. But the good news is that joy has come because the Lord has come. Come. We are here this morning celebrating the Christmas season. We're here each Sunday celebrating the joy that has come in Jesus. And so I love this season and I love messages that can focus in on the joy that we have in Jesus. And this morning, I'm really excited to share with you the birth announcement of Jesus this morning. But as we look to approach God's word, as we look to learn from his word, let's go to the Lord in prayer together that, that he would speak, that his power and his presence would be evident, and that we would be transformed by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning grateful for who you are and what you've done, that you sent your son, that today we can celebrate joy knowing that the Lord has come. God, I pray that as we dig into your word, as we study the truth that we find in it, God, that we would, we would not just hear it, but we would allow it to transform our lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present in such a way that, that there's no power in, in me, but only power in you. God, I pray that the presence of Jesus would overwhelm us this morning and every day moving forward. In his holy and precious name we pray, amen. Well, if you haven't already guessed, since I said we're looking at the birth announcement of Jesus, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Go ahead and make your way there in your personal Bibles or your Bible apps, whatever your preference is. And I always get extra excited when I'm looking at one of the Gospels. Luke is one of the four Gospels, and I get super pumped about studying the Gospels because these are eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. These are men who literally walked next to Jesus, literally talked next to Jesus. They probably even had some slumber parties with Jesus. Their, their lives were incredible because they got to walk and live with Jesus. And the words we're about to read are words from a man who got to walk alongside our Lord and Savior. And so as we prepare to read that this morning, I hope you can get excited about that. Take as much joy in that as I have. And let's read together in chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This birth announcement kind of seems to come randomly to some shepherds in the field. And a message direct from heaven comes down to them. An angel of the Lord appears, and the glory of the Lord is shining around this angel. I, I can't imagine what that experience must have been like. I can't imagine what that must have been like to see the glory of God shining. The only thing that I can think of is when I accidentally turn my flashlight or my phone on and blast myself in the face. I'm sure it was even brighter than that. But the glory of the Lord is shining, and these, these shepherds are, are shocked, they're afraid, but then they hear the good news of great joy, that unto them that day is born the Savior, the Savior of the world. And what do they do? We're not going to read it this morning, but the next few verses we'll see that they pack up, they brave out into the night to go see, to go check out what the angel of the Lord was talking about. And now, I'm pretty sure that nobody in this room has ever had an experience where the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the God was shining and they were told to go check out something. But we can kind of understand this experience of the shepherds because every year, the day after Thanksgiving, or even now the day of Thanksgiving, we hear the incredible announcement of the Black Friday deals. We brave the dark of the night to go see what the magazines and the websites have, have promised as good news of great joy. Because there's nothing like the good news of $400 off of an iPhone 11. And there's nothing like the great joy that comes from picturing your Minnesota Vikings play on an 82-inch OLED screen. Except when they play the Seahawks on Monday night and lose. But you, I kid, but you get the picture. I think the truth is we put a lot of stock in how things make us happy. The truth is the arrival of material things or right relationships or good circumstances we believe will bring happiness. We await the arrival of these things in our lives because they're the source of happiness. I mean, hey, we even do it with Amazon, we order something on Amazon, maybe on Cyber Monday, and we wait patiently or impatiently, depending on the person, for our happiness to arrive two days later. And Amazon, don't you send it three days. I pay for Prime. You, you better be on my doorstep two days. My happiness better not come late. I mean, this experience is all too real for us. And it's because we want to be happy, right? Especially Around Christmas, we want all of our troubles to fade away. We want all the dysfunctional relationships with our family to magically be fixed. We want to be rescued from all the bad things in our lives. And we want to receive all the good things that we're supposed to experience, a picture-perfect Christmas. Because that's what the holiday season's all about, right? That's what we want to experience and we want to feel. But I want to tell you this morning that happiness arrives when God rescues us from our circumstances, but joy arrives when God rescues us from our sins. 
You might think this morning that your greatest need is for God to fix your circumstances. You might think that this morning you came here saying, if God would just fix my situation, then I would be happy, and that's all I really need. But I want to tell you that God doesn't just want you to be happy. God doesn't just want you to be happy. God wants you to experience joy. And there's a difference. God doesn't want you to just feel happy. He wants you to experience joy. Your greatest need in this life isn't to feel better about your life. Your greatest need is to receive life from Jesus Christ. Your greatest need in this life is to be saved from your sins. And the birth announcement of Jesus was good news is because that's what it brought about. That's what it brought about. It was good news of great joy because it was God rescuing us from our sins, God rescuing us from ourselves. And listen, I know I didn't just preach that to myself this morning. I know I'm not the only hot mess express in the house today. Sometimes we forget our greatest need is to be saved from our sins because we, we wrestle. We wrestle with the desire to be selfish, to get our own way. We wrestle with pride. We wrestle with comparison, envy, worry. We wrestle with things like lust. We wrestle in this life with the sins and we need to be rescued from them. We need to be saved from them. We need to be saved from ourselves. Put it this way, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, and you were dead in the trespasses of your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is a bleak diagnosis, right? That's not a pretty picture, being dead, following the ways of selfishness, following disobedience, passions, and not in a good way, like, like a healthy passion, but like uncontrollable passions. This is a horrible diagnosis, and honestly, it's our diagnosis. This is what is ours. We, we look at that, and you know, oh, that's the sinner's outside the church. That's the people that, you know, they live across the street, my neighbors. Yeah, that's them. No, this is us. This is us. And our need is to be saved. And you read this, and this is a bleak diagnosis. However, there's a but that follows it. A but God. Six of my favorite letters in all of scripture. Let's continue reading in verse four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Yeah, that's an amen right there. You were dead and you're made alive in Christ. You were broken and now you're redeemed. You were without hope and without purpose, and now Jesus gives you both. We have joy because of that truth. We have joy because of what Jesus has done for us. 
Let me tell you this morning, you can only, and I mean this, you can only receive that kind of joy when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no other way. You won't find it anywhere else. You won't find any other rescue from Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. No other way to life. No other way to freedom. No other way to hope. No other way to redemption. There is only one way, and that's in Jesus Christ and your faith in him. And for a lot of us, we sit here today and we say, amen, that's true, I accepted that. I accepted that maybe a long time ago. But man, it's 2019, and they're pushing happiness like you wouldn't believe. The desire to be happy is ever before us. Social media comparisons like you can't even imagine. Traps left and right of comparing your life to somebody else's. The buy this, get that, do this, do that is heavier upon us than ever before. You can't open your eyes and not see somebody else's happiness slapping you in the face. That's the world we live in today. And so I get it when we end up making happiness our main goal. In fact, we may even feel entitled to happiness, but listen, we have been given joy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall receive eternal life. When you're dead and you've been given life, when you're hopeless and you've been given hope, when you're trapped and you've been set free, you respond with joy. Because we've been given Jesus, we've been given joy. That's where our joy comes from. And it goes right in the face of the advice of today. Whether it's a job or whether it's a relationship or whether it's anything in this life, the advice is do what makes you happy, right? It's the battle cry of our world today. Do what makes you happy. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't you deserve to be happy? Aren't you entitled to happiness? But if that becomes your focus, you're going to miss the bigger picture that God has painted for you. In fact, I've got a perfect, well, maybe it's not perfect, but I like it. I've got a way for us to experience this together this morning. Everybody should have gotten a penny when you got in. Everybody got your penny? If you don't got a penny, there's some up front. If you don't have a penny, maybe you can ask somebody who carries pennies to give you one. It's unlikely that you'll find it, but you'll just have to make believe maybe. But no, this isn't your rebate because we're a little bit over budget and it's your tithing coming back at you. No, that's not, that's not what this is. This is a picture of what I want you to see this morning, a penny. It doesn't have a lot of value, right? It's one one-hundredth of a dollar. It's hard, hard to believe it's still in circulation. A penny, it's pretty insignificant. You lose it, you don't really care. You find it, you're like, eh. Sometimes you won't even bend to pick it up. The amount of energy that it takes to pick it up, you're like, not worth it. My time's more valuable than that. A penny's insignificant and not a lot of worth, yet it represents the small, trivial things that we try to pursue happiness in, right? And if you hold that penny out, everybody hold that penny out. Hold it out. It doesn't block your view if it's way out. It sits where it's supposed to, way out. It doesn't block your view. But now I want you to take one hand, cover it over your eye, and pull that penny closer to the other one. Keep pulling it closer. Keep pulling it closer. And all of a sudden, 
That small little penny, that insignificant, worthless little penny, if you bring it all the way up to your eye, blocks your entire view. And when you focus on something small, insignificant, something that doesn't have worth in this life, something that you think will bring you happiness, you end up missing out on the big picture of what you have. How many of you were here last week during the 11 o'clock service? Yeah? We saw the big picture last week, didn't we, amen? We heard testimony after testimony of people who have experienced all that God has given them. We saw testimony over testimony of people who were praising God for all that they had been given. But when we bring that penny close to our eye, when we get distracted by the little things, when we focus in on happiness rather than the big picture of joy we have in Jesus, we miss out on what we've been given. We're blocked to what we've been given, namely Jesus Christ, namely life, freedom from sin, victory over it, and eternity with God. Man, how blind we get. And if you're sitting out there this morning and you're like, yeah, you've already mentioned Jesus like 10 times, dude. We get it. I'm not going to stop. You can't stop me. I got the mic. I'm on stage. I'm going to preach Jesus till the day that I die because there's nothing else that matters more. Listen, don't ever let anything as insignificant as your struggles in this world or a pursuit of happiness in this world block your view of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ because it is the most beautiful picture you could ever see. It's what we need to be reminded of, that we've been given joy, and we need to, to think like David does when he says in Psalm 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sometimes that penny, that, that insignificant thing that we search for happiness in, blocks the joy of our salvation. We've forgotten it, we've lost it, we've lost the joy of our salvation, and we need it restored. Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray this morning. Restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation. It's been a long time. I accepted Christ when I was five years old, and I'm 55. I'm going to that older adult celebration, but it's been a while since I've felt the joy. Maybe you need to get the joy of the Lord restored to you, because in this life, we go searching for happiness when we have eternal access to joy. You hear that? We have eternal access to joy. It's not going anywhere because Jesus has come. 2,000 years ago, he did come. And some 33 years after that, he did die. He was buried. He was resurrected. And he accomplished the mission of God to save us. And if you're here this morning and you are searching, you came here searching for joy because you haven't felt it in forever. You came here this morning searching for hope because Life feels hopeless. You came here this morning searching for peace because you've never been more anxious. You came here this morning looking for love because you don't even know what that feels like anymore. I want to tell you that what you've been searching for is here. Not in this building, not necessarily in, in these people, but in Jesus Christ. What you've been searching for has already come. It's why we celebrate Christmas. But sometimes we, we look for happiness in the world because we've stopped pursuing joy in Jesus. Your Bible is closed, for you, so you look for happiness in Disney+. Plus. 
All those happy endings, look for the happiness there, but your Bible's closed. You haven't talked to God in prayer in over a month, so you look for approval from others. You aren't in community. You're not meeting regularly with other people to encourage you, to challenge you, to grow in your faith. And so instead, you're trying to prove how good you are by buying nice things and showing them off. You're keeping up with the Joneses and caught in the comparison trap. See, it's amazing to me how directly tied your personal pursuit of Jesus is with a joyful spirit. Maybe you're lacking in joy today because you're lacking in Jesus. Maybe you're lacking in joy today because you're lacking in Jesus because you haven't been pursuing him. And he is the source. Look at what Psalm 16 says, 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Pause for a second. When we're in the presence of Jesus, we don't get just a glimmer of joy. We don't get just a tiny picture. We get the fullness of it. There is no joy that we would miss in the presence of Jesus. The world will lie to you and tell you that you're missing out if you follow God. They're, they're wrong. The fullness of joy exists in Jesus and his presence alone. You won't get more joy in money. You won't get more joy in sex. You won't get more joy in a relationship, in a bigger house, in that nicer boat. You won't get more joy in anything this world has to offer you. The fullness exists in Jesus and Jesus alone. If you want joy, if you're searching this morning, it is found in Jesus. And when you pursue him, this is what's awesome, when you pursue his presence, you get the Holy Spirit. And you want to know what a fruit of the Holy Spirit, meaning what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. You want to know what one of the fruits is? Joy! It's joy! One of the, the things that we get from the Holy Spirit when we are pursuing the presence of God, what God manifests in our lives, what he does the work, what he gives us when we can't find it anywhere else, what we need most, he gives us in his Holy Spirit. Our life will produce what we didn't even think we had in the tank if we go to God because he's got an abundance of it. In fact, he's got the fullness of it. That's what we see in his word. That's what we get promised to us. We have eternal access to joy because we have eternal access to Jesus. That's right. We have eternal access to Jesus if you put your faith in him. I was talking to a student not too long ago who's feeling lost, feeling wrestling right now because he's in a season of struggle. He's not really sure. He's feeling without purpose and hasn't been pursuing Jesus, hasn't been walking with him. And he said, I know God exists. I know God is real. He's, he's impacted my life. And I know that heaven and hell is real. I know that there will be a day that there will be judgment and God will decide where you go. But right now, I don't know. Right now, I, I don't know if I died tomorrow, if I'd end up in heaven with God. And so I asked him, and I knew that, that he had put his faith in Jesus. I'd seen the fruit of, of a life of following God in his life. So I asked him, I said, hey, hold on. Have you committed, 
Have you made a faith commitment to Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? He said, yeah. He said, you believe that, that he is the son of God? He said, yeah. I said, you believe that he died for your sins? He says, yeah. He said, I said, you believe that because of that, you are saved? He said, yeah. I said, well, guess what? You got salvation then. That's, that's the picture. And guess what? You can't lose it. I said, picture this. If you have that, you have an eternal relationship with God, with Jesus. And no matter how bad of a boyfriend you are, how much you neglect him, no matter how much of a, of a bad partner in relationship you are, how little you pursue him, how little you spend time with him, how little you think of him, how much you betray him, disobey him, and hurt him, he's not leaving. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus will never break up with you. You get an eternal relationship with Jesus through faith. And because we have an eternal relationship with Jesus, we have an eternal access to joy. So joy is always at our disposal. And joy is better than happiness. Circumstances define your happiness, but Jesus defines your joy. Circumstances define your happiness, but Jesus defines your joy. Happiness will come and go. And if you chase that feeling, you'll get exhausted. You will. If you chase that feeling of happiness, you're going to end up exhausted. But if you chase Jesus, you'll find joy and you'll find rest. Yeah, you may find moments of happiness in family, friends, the holiday season, gifts, a nice house. But if you only experience joy on your good days, if you only experience joy in your, your good days, you have not yet tasted the best joy. Let me explain. If you only find joy when things are going good, you're missing out on the greater joy that God gives us. Because God gives us a joy that surpasses, that overcomes, that conquers any worldly experience. There is a greater good available to us in God. And that might sound confusing to you, but let me explain. In this life, we experience loss. In Jesus, we never will. In this life, we experience the loss of family members, and that produces sorrow, but there's an overcoming joy knowing that if they are in Christ, we'll see them again. Yes, cancer is horrible, but you know what doesn't win in the end? Cancer. You know who does? Jesus. There is an overcoming good that exists in Jesus Christ that says, at the end of the day, cancer doesn't win, I do. Sickness doesn't win, I do. Pain doesn't win, I do. Depression doesn't win, I do. Anxiety doesn't win, I do. There is an overcoming joy that we have in Jesus, and it's the best joy ever. It's the joy that we get to stand on in the midst of the worst of times and what we hope in and put our faith in in the midst of a struggle. Jesus defines your joy, and it's the best joy. It's, it's the joy that allows us to do what, what Paul says for us to do in Philippians 4.4. 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and this is kind of like, you can say, well, easy for you to say, Paul, Jesus called you and you were living a great life of doing ministry. He wrote this from prison after he had been beaten on his way to getting stoned, eventually to be killed for the sake of Jesus. 
Paul wasn't living a plush life, and that's why he said rejoice always. Paul was living a hard life, but he had Jesus, so he had joy always. And we can too. We can too. And it's about our perspective. I believe our life will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our life will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I believe that 100%. And if all you think about is the struggle, that's the direction your life will move in. If you think about the joy you have in Jesus and all that you've been given in Jesus, your life will move in that direction. In the way that he's worked, the way that he's worked in your personal life, the way that he's worked in your family's life, the way that he's worked in this church, the way that he's worked around the world, the way that he is still working that we haven't even seen yet. And if that's what maintains, or that, that's what captivates our thoughts, our life will move towards joy. I believe joy can be chosen. I do, I believe joy can be chosen. I, I don't want you to misunderstand me and, and think that I'm telling you if your life is miserable, but just put a smile on your face and choose joy. You're in the worst struggle you've ever been in. Your life is a mess and you don't know if you're gonna see tomorrow, but just hey, play this song and feel good. Don't worry. Be happy, don't worry, be happy. It's kind of catchy, but that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I mean. That's bad advice to just don't worry, be happy. No, I'm telling you that you can choose a joy that overcomes, that is found in your faith. You can choose that because, listen, happiness is born out of pleasure, but joy is born out of faith. Happiness is an emotional response, and joy is an inter internal perspective. That's what we see. Happiness is born out of pleasure. Joy is born out of faith. Things may not look good, but I have joy because I trust my God is good. On the other side of it, there's a good God who is for me. Christian, if you're here today and you put your faith in Jesus, God is for you. And you have good waiting for you. I don't know what your today looks like, but there will be a day where you will see nothing but the goodness of God. And that's where we put our faith. That's why we were able to seize joy in the midst of trial. That's why I believe joy can be chosen. So as we look to dismiss and wrap up this morning, I believe we can choose joy because of three reasons. One, it's because God is faithful. God is faithful. But maybe you're here this morning and you see that on the screen and all that you're thinking is that ain't true. Go ahead, say it, pastor. I, I don't believe it. My life tells me otherwise. You're telling me God is faithful when all that I've been hit with is Horrible things, one problem after another, I can't catch a break, and you expect me to believe that my God is faithful? I ain't buying it. If that's you this morning, my heart breaks that that's what you've had to experience. The brokenness of this world, it stinks. I'm sorry that you're hit with it personally and heavily, but I wanna encourage you with something. All throughout the Old Testament, God showed his presence. He spoke through prophets. He manifested himself. He walked with his people. All throughout the Old Testament. 
From Genesis to Malachi, you see God's presence and his faithfulness all throughout. But then Malachi to Matthew, there's 400 years of silence. 400 years where people were wondering, what is going on? I don't see God. I don't hear God. What is happening? But we know that that 400 years was God's timing and God's plan for Jesus to show up. Your life may not lead you to believe that God is faithful, and that's probably because your timing isn't his timing. And I know that can be hard, but his timing is perfect because his timing brought Jesus. And if you put your faith in him, you will get what Jesus brings and that's salvation. Salvation for eternity and joy in this life. That's what you can have in Jesus. And I hope and pray that we can have the mindset that is encouraged in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And the second reason I think we can choose joy is because God is working for our good. God is working for our good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And I know that all things right here, all things, that's tough to stomach. When you just buried somebody that died too young. When you just had a miscarriage, when you've been praying for pregnancy forever, when you watch your son or daughter destroying their life and walking away from the Lord, you're looking and saying, all things? I think you you skipped a few in my life, God. I want to remind you that just because we don't see good doesn't mean God's not working good. In fact, I can prove it with the cross. Jesus came in a manger. Probably not a manger that's a luxury suite like the one behind me, probably a little more humble one. He lived a life. He started a ministry. He gathered some disciples and they're following him and they're seeing God work. They're hearing God speak. They're believing that this is the Messiah, that he has come to become the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's gonna ride triumphantly into Jerusalem, which he does. He's gonna claim his throne. He's gonna overthrow the government. And what happened? Unfairly, he gets betrayed, he gets beaten, he gets mocked, he's sent to the cross, he suffers, and he dies. Everything that they could see looked wrong, bad, unfair, and messed up, and God was working. Because on the cross, he was saving you. Because on the cross, he was forgiving your sins. Because on the cross, he was doing the greatest work that has ever been done. We can trust that God is working when it doesn't look good because the cross tells us we can. It's what Jesus has done that gives us the reminder that we can believe God is working for our good. And lastly, God's grace is enough. Paul was wrestling with a thorn in his flesh we, we see in scripture. We don't know exactly what that looked like, but Paul was like, God, get rid of this. I don't want this anymore. And God says, listen, I may not remove that, but my grace is sufficient for you. 
And listen, God's grace is enough for you. It is. What God has done is enough for you. And so this Christmas season, you may want to be happy, but what you need is the joy of the Lord. It's what you need. And the Lord has come. So choose Jesus this Christmas because what you get is joy. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the joy that comes in Jesus. God, I pray this morning that no matter where we are personally, that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you will bring about the joy of salvation for the first time. God, but let your Holy Spirit lead us back to you. Draw us closer to yourselves and help us to choose joy by choosing Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, love you guys. You're dismissed.